Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Tonight we're going to wrap up Gideon. We're going to be in Judges chapter 8. So, just a quick recap. Um, We know that in the book of Judges, we have uh, approximately 100 verses dedicated to Gideon. Uh, He has the most in the the book. I think uh, Samson's a close second with 96. So, usually when when there's a lot of information there, God, God wants us to to know something. He wants us to, to learn from it. Um, we know that, uh, in, that Gideon is just a man. And uh, at best, uh, Spurgeon said, the best men are at best men. So they still have their failings. They still have their faults. Um, they still have their, uh, uh, their carnal nature, uh, as it were. But, but God never abandons us. God will... God, he always will welcome us back. So again, just a a quick recap. In the beginning, starting with chapter 6, does God really care about us? That was Gideon's question. Does God, God has abandoned us. Uh, So in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 11 and 12, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. Chastening is, uh, is evidence of God's hatred for sin and the love for his people. So that's, in this book of Judges, there's always that, that cycle of turning away from God, worshiping other gods, being oppressed or chastened, as it were, and then the children of Israel turn their attention back to God, and uh, and He sends a uh, a, a judge to uh, to deliver them from their oppression. Uh, second question: Does 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 God know what He's doing? Because we know that Gideon said, "I'm the least." Uh, we've heard that before from Moses, uh, and again, we know that that in God's eyes, uh, we look at. at the David and Saul situation. The people wanted a king, but they were looking for appearance. God looking. God is looking to the man. God is looking to the inner man. Uh, we'll find out that maybe Gideon was the least. We'll find out tonight that he did have some other family who may have, might have been a more of a, a more noble stature than he was. And again, about. Um, you know, does God know what he's doing? Isaiah chapter 40, verses 13 and 14. Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he, God, take counsel? And who instructed him? And taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge? And showed him the way of understanding? Will God take care of me? You know, we, we know that... God doesn't need a counselor because he created everything. He is the great counselor. Um, so again, we, and we know we can trust in him. 
Now, so when, when Gideon, when he asked, told Gideon, he, Gideon was going to go, and God was going to deliver the Midianites into his hand, he first had to, uh, his, his family had an idol for Baal and, uh, and Ashtoreth, so he first had to get, he had to clean up his house, he had to get the idolatry out of his home. Uh, and maybe in, in some way, shape, or form, this was a, uh, a confidence builder for him to learn to trust more in God. Before God gives his servants great victories in public, he sometimes prepares them by giving them smaller victories at home. Before David killed Goliath in the sight of the two armies, he learned to trust God by killing a lion and a bear in the field where nobody saw it but God. That's in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And in the end, we know that that Joash, his father, supported him. So it, it's possible, it's not stated, but Joash, it appears, repented at that time and said, uh, you know, when the people wanted to, to kill Gideon, he said, if Baal, if Baal can't stand up for himself, what good is he? Then we moved on. Um, now, God is getting ready to send Gideon out. We know that Gideon put out the fleece. We, we, we all know this story. Putting out a fleece is not a biblical method for determining the will of God. Rather, it's an approach used by people like Gideon who lacked the faith to trust God to do what he said he would. Now, you have, at, at that time, you have to remember, Gideon didn't have this chapter to read. This was a, uh, as it would appear, a daunting task, 135,000 Midianites and he was going to go out against them. Um, that's like, you know, um, God coming down, you know, Eric Kaplan, who, you know, was a big guy. You know, I want you to go over to Syria, and you're going to take care of ISIS. I'm going to deliver them to you. He might want some reassurance. I'm sure he would go, but he might want some reassurance. He, he might want, he might look for that. Um, now, in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 23, for the Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. Now, we know that the fact that, that he, that God, stooped to Gideon's weakness only proves that he is a gracious God who understands how we are made. Now, we know that he started out uh, with his call. He had 30,000 men. God called it down to, uh, to 300. And, and we know one of the things that, to get the final 300, he uh, sent them to the, a pond or a lake to, uh, to get water. And he chose the 300 who, who, who brought the water up to their mouth and lapped it like a dog. The other, <clears throat> the other group he sent home. Now this is, um, can be said that these men were diligent, these men were watching, these men weren't distracted, and, and we should be that way. Jesus can come at any time, and uh, are we bringing the water to our mouths and watching the horizon, or, or are we, and now this, after the last session, somebody said this to me and it made a lot of sense. I don't remember who it was, um, that's a sign of age, just like, um, as I, I thought I was using a large print Bible, I'm using a giant print Bible. I didn't realize that. 
or these men that went down and lapped the water and actually went down on their hands and knees, um, looking into the water, they probably saw their, their reflection in the water. It's just kind of a matter of, of pride. Maybe these men were too prideful to do this. Then I can imagine at this point they're getting ready to go and uh, say the Archangel Michael and Gabriel sitting around with the Lord said, and they're telling him, well, you know he's going to ask for another sign, don't you? You know that's coming. But God flipped the script. He says, Gideon, uh, you know, if, if you don't trust me by now, just take your, your servant and go down to the, uh, the camp of the Midianites and, and see what's going on. And we know while he's down there, he hears one guard telling another about a dream he had about a barley cake rolling down a hill and uh, <clears throat> destroying a tent, which in, in, in the, it's the tent, which is the royal tent. And we know that this, they're, they're talking amongst themselves. This can only be that uh, God has delivered us into Gideon's hands. And this rumor obviously was spreading through the camp. We know uh, Boy Scouts in a campfire, they tell ghost stories. And then after the ghost stories, you know, every sound they're listening, what's that, what's this? Um, so we know that when, <clears throat> when, when Gideon and his 300 men, when they started blowing the trumpets and, and carrying the torches, this was like the third watch, it was somewhere between 10 o'clock and midnight. So there's people walking around, there's guards changing and they all have these thoughts in their mind about, about the dream, so now they all turn on themselves. And, and it's interesting because none of the children of Israel are carrying swords, so it's the sword of the Lord that is, uh, that is taking care of all of this. So now, now we come to the beginning of, uh, of chapter eight. Uh, it's just interesting that at the end of uh, of chapter 7, he, uh, he, he calls on the Ephraimites to take some watering holes, and it, it's not certain that they understood what was going on. And, and the whole, I think the whole story of Gideon is all, we know that he's listed in the, uh, in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11. And I, I think this is important, um, the, the Warner... Warren Wearsby book uh, about judges is be available, uh, accepting the challenge to confront the enemy. And I think that's, that's what God wants from us. He wants us to be available. Uh, it's interesting, Pastor Joe's message on Sunday talked about serving. I know we had a, the men's devotion at the beginning of the month or last month talked about serving. And I think that <clears throat> once you accept that, once you, you have the desire to serve, that, that God will take care of it. God will, will fill in the blanks wherever you choose. And, you know, in a, in a church, now we're not an overly huge church, but there's a lot to do here. There's, there's a lot that can be done uh, in, in serving. And I think that that's, that's part of the message here is that he just wants you to be available. To do, his, to do his will. The Quaker poet John Greenleaf Whittier put it this way in his little poem, My Soul and I. Nothing before, nothing behind. The steps of faith fall on the seeming void and find the rock beneath. 
Well, that rock is the word of God. And that's what we have to, to put our trust in because we know that, that he will never lead us astray. So getting into, into chapter 8, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> now the men of Ephraim said to him, Why have you done this to us by not calling us when you went to fight with the Midianites? And they reprimanded him sharply. Now this is, this is exactly what God <clears throat> spoke to Gideon before about, about he knew his children, if he had too many men, that they would claim the glory for themselves. So now the men of Ephraim, they're upset now. Um, well, 100,000 soldiers have now fallen, and they're probably thinking, well, you know, we didn't share in the spoils, and there's probably a lot of it. So, so again, they're, now, they're, now they're getting on Gideon's case for not calling them. Because he called them at the end of chapter 7, but only to take some watering holes. So Gideon, in verse 2, So he said to them, What have I done now in comparison with you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezar? God has delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, or of Zereb. And what is it I have been able to do in comparison with you? Then their anger toward him subsided when he said that. Now, the tribe of Ephraim was, was the second largest tribe, and they were pretty prideful. And, but if we, as we learn in Proverbs 15, verse 1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And funny how God brings these lessons to us. <clears throat> because, uh, again, my wife and I have a personal situation. I'm not going to get into it. But as this situation unfolded today and she called me, this is what I was, this is what I was reading about a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Because that's the approach we took in this situation was, was to not be confrontational, to not be adversarial, and, and God worked it out. Also, in Proverbs 16, 32, he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. So, and we'll see later on in, uh, in chapter 12, the Ephraimite's pride created a problem for Jephthah, whose response wasn't as conciliatory as Gideon's, and, uh, and they subsequently went to war. A writer, Andrew Bonar, who said, let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle. And that's what you know, we're going to see here as we go through. So if we move on to verse 4. When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and 300 men who were with him crossed over, exhausted but still in pursuit. Then he said to the men of Succoth, please give loaves of bread to the people who follow me, for they are exhausted, and I am pursuing Ziba and Zalmunna, kings of Midian. And the leaders of Succoth said, Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmunna now in your hand that we should give you bread? So they know that Gideon has 300 men. He's, he's chasing 15,000. So in their eyes, well, they're going to wipe him out, and then if we feed them, we give, if we help them, they're going to come against us. Now, these are part of the two and a half tribes that were on the other side of the Jordan. 
So these were part of the children of Israel. And uh, it expect that Gideon explained to them what had happened and the great victory that was won. So, in essence, they should understand what God has done here. They should understand the victory and, and what they're going against it. I was listening to a uh, Pastor Joe Foch, and what, what, in this instance, he's, he's liking it to, you know, expect in ministry that there is never spiritual progress without warfare. They can't stand, some people can't stand the fact that somebody else is seeing God's blessing. Gideon understands that what has been accomplished is of the Lord. Now I know, I know Pastor Joe has told this story a couple of times about somebody, I think this goes back to the school, somebody wanted to, ministry application, but he only wanted to serve. He says, well, I want to fill in when you're not here. Well, like, there's nobody else to do that, but, but we'll give you that special privilege. So it, again, it's just, it's just the battles are always there. The battles always continue. Now these, these again, these, these people in Sukkoth, these are part of the children of Israel. And uh, if we look in Deuteronomy 23, verses 3 to 6, an Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall, en shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever, because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt, and because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Beor from Pethor of Mesopotamia, to curse you. Nevertheless, the Lord your God would not listen to Balaam, but the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you because the Lord your God loves you. Now, that, those people were, were uh, relatives of Lot, not necessarily um, part of the children of Israel. These men here in Sukkoth are part of the, they're part of, I think they're part of the tribe of Gad or Dan, one or the other. So they are part of the, and, and they are part of the children of Israel, and, and Gideon, no doubt, has explained what has happened. So they are going against God's will. They're not believing what happened. So now we continue um, in verse 7. So Gideon said, For this cause, when the Lord has delivered Ziba and Zalmunna into my hand, then I will tear your flesh with thorns of the wilderness and with briars. So Gideon's faith isn't wavered here. He's, he's, not, uh, he's still ready to press on. He, he knows that God is with him. Then he went up there to Penuel and spoke to them in the same way. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Sukkoth had answered. So he spoke to the men of Penuel saying, when I, come when I come back in peace, I will tear down this tower, which their fortress. Now Ziba and Zalmunna were at Karkor and their armies with them, about 15,000, all who were left of all the army of the people of the east for 120. 20,000 men who drew the sword had fallen. And now remember, the Israelites weren't carrying swords. All they were carrying was pitchers and, and trumpets. So it's the sword of the Lord that's, that's, uh, that's doing all this, that's, that's making it happen. Then Gideon went up by the road to those who dwell in tents on the east side of Nobor and Jacobeth, and he attacked the army while the camp felt secure. When Ziba and Zalmunna fled, he pursued them 
and he took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmunna, and routed the army. Now in the, in the translation, this routed is this, this word discomfited. He, he put them all into disarray, and, and they all turned on each other. <coughs> then Gideon, the son of Joash, returned from the battle, from the ascent of Heres. Now this is uh, referring to before the, before the sun came up. Now we are not sure that this is the same night. It's probably over the period of 24 hours, but it's beyond human strength. We know it's only something that, that God, can, <clears throat> God can bring about. So continuing in verse 14. And he caught a young man of the men of Sukkoth and interrogated him. And he wrote down for him the leaders of Sukkoth and its elders, the 77 men. Now this person that they caught must have had some good memory to, because to, it, it, it's inferred that, it's, that they wrote it all down. Again, this, this Zeba and Zilmuna, the enemies of Israel, important in this time, in this culture, when you, you capture the king and then that's it, the enemy is vanquished. Um, I'm kind of liking it to right, the game Stratego. You know, he captured the flag and that's it, the game is over. So that's why it was important for him, for Gideon to, to pursue them. So Zeba and Zomona are, are, uh, are kind of likened to to things that we should give no shelter to in our lives, to enemies for us. For you and I as believers, there should be no confusion as to what is an enemy to us. We know the, the media is confused, but uh, in, in what we do and as believers, we, we know that this is, this is, I liken it to an open book test. Uh, we know is sexual sin wrong? We can give you the list of verses to read. Purity, marriage. Again, we can give you the list of verses to read because it's all there. We don't need to put out a fleece. We know we can find the answers. There are other things in our lives that may not be enemies, but certainly not helpful. Uh, Martin Luther, he said, uh, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from making a nest in your hair. God continues to work in our lives conforming us into an image to the plan he has for us. So now continuing. Then he came to the men of Sukkoth and, and said, Here are Zeba and Zalmunna, about whom you ridicule, ridiculed me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmunna in, in your hand, now in your hand, that we should give bread to your weary men? And he took the elders of the city and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them, he taught the men of Sukkoth. Uh, he taught them a lesson. So he obviously, uh, it's unclear, scourged them. But again, he, he taught them a lesson for their, uh, their unbelief in God's victory. Then he tore down the tower of Penuel and killed the men of the city. And he said to Zeba and Zalmona, what kind of men were they whom you killed at Tabor? So they answered, as you are, so were, so were they. Each one resembled the son of a king. Then he said, they were my brothers, the sons of my mother. As the Lord lives, 
if you had let them live, I would not kill you. So we see here that, that these men who, again, the Saul and David comparison, these men were obviously of greater stature, uh, more noble, and Gideon may have been the least in his family. But, but God has used him mightily. God has, has used a great victory for him. At verse 20, And he said to, to Jeth, Jether, his firstborn, Rise, kill them. But the youth would not draw his sword, for he was afraid because he was a youth. Now that would have been insulting for them to have been killed by a youth. Uh, just again, the, the pride culture, uh, you know, I'm a man, you know, I want to die a man's death. So Ziba and Zomona said, rise, rise yourself and kill us, for as a man is, so is his strength. Uh, I don't know if I would have pressed the issue. Uh, I might have hoped, thought maybe we could get by here, but again, they, they had the pride. They're, they're tough. You know, we're, we're going to go down. We want to go down as men. So Gideon arose and killed Zeba and Zelmuna and took the crescent ornaments that were on their camels' necks. Now, this goes back to the early Middle East, the Bedouins, um, these crescent ornaments, images of the moon. They did worship uh, a moon god, and I think even now, if you look at symbols of Islam, you, you can see the, the, the crescent moon in, in a lot of their symbols. Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son, and your grandson also, for you have delivered us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, for the Lord shall, ru the Lord shall rule over you. So at this point, he's, he understands. He knows what's happened, but we're going to see now that Again, we're, we're, we're retreating to, to a man. He is just a man. So we do give in to temptations. We do give in to other needs. Then Gideon said to them, I would like to make a request of you that each of you would give me the earrings from his plunder, for they had golden earrings because they were Ishmaelites. So they answered, we will gladly give them, and they spread out a garment, and each man threw it into the earrings from his plunder. So, okay, you know, no, I'm not going to be a king. I, I don't want to be your king. The Lord is your king, but just give me the earrings. That's all I want, just the earrings, just a small token. Now, the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was 1,700 shekels of gold beside the crescent ornaments pendants and purple robes which were on the kings of Midian and besides the chains that were around the camel's necks. Then Gideon made it into an ephod and set it up in his city, Oprah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there and it became a snare to Gideon and to his house. Now this ephod is like the, the, the breastplate of the, the high priest and, uh, and it's, it's interesting because now 135,000 men, children of Israel, had no sword, the sword of the Lord. But, but what's defeating them? The earrings. That the, uh, what have they been defeated by? What have they been turned by? The earrings of, of the Midianites. Just as they, when Moses came down from the mountain, they were worshiping the golden calf. 
uh, their attention span seems to be very short. They, they don't seem to be, uh, again, to get it all the time. So it, uh, again, is uh, God gets the glory from Gideon, just give me the earrings. Um, again, Gideon is an instrument of the Lord, uh, but again, he still has the failings of a man. So now we'll just continue a little bit further. Thus the Midianites were subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted their heads no more. And the country was quiet for 40 years in the days of Gideon. Then Jerubbabel, the son of Joash, who was Gideon, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, for he had many wives. And he had a con concubine who was in Shechem, who also bore him a son whose name he called Abimelech. Now, this is, we're kind of getting into the, uh, he's not a king, he didn't want to be their king, but he's kind of living like a king. We're kind of looking at, uh, in the future was um, Solomon. Um, he did great things, he had great prosperity, and then he kind of turned to the flesh. And, uh, and, he went, and it went downhill from there. Now Gideon, the son of Joash, died at a good old age and was buried in the tomb of Joash, his father in Oprah of the Abizarites. So it was, as soon as Gideon was dead, that the children of Israel played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal Berath their god. Thus the children of Israel did not, did not remember their Lord God, who delivered them from the hands of all their enemies on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the house of Jerubbabel, Gideon, in accordance with the good he had done. The apostle uh, Paul in Acts, what he wants most was to finish, on, finish his course. Um, that's what we should be doing. We should be, we want to be good finishers. Uh, we know that God will always be with us, uh, but it's just important, again, that we, uh, that we keep our focus. And it's, it's hard, you know, sometimes you, you get distracted, you get off your game for a while, uh, but it's important that we be good finishers. Now, one of the things that comes out, uh, Pastor Joe Foch, is that all this is happening because, because the Israelites have turned from God. They've turned to worship other gods. Had, had prayer been their first resource instead of their last resort, uh, it, it, it's very possible that things might have been entirely different. And I, and I think that that's important, uh, that, that prayer is, is, is so important and helps us to keep our focus on the Lord. I know uh, this, this little bulletin here, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, this Andrew Bonar before, and I just want to read it. Uh, I, it. This is from him. I have learned by experience that it, is not much, that it is not much labor, but much prayer that is the only means to success, said Andrew Bonar, a leader of the revival in Scotland known as the Kilsyth Revival. Andrew knew about success. His secret, his secret was that he lived in prayer. 
I have been endeavoring to keep up prayer every hour of the day, stopping my occupation, whatever it is, to pray a little. I seek to keep my soul within the shadow of the throne of his grace and him that sits upon. And I think that that is something that, that we need to keep in mind, that we need to keep, to keep our focus on. Because by continuing in prayer and staying in prayer, we keep in touch with him and, he keeps, and we learn what he wants from us. And again, uh, just we, we know that, that Gideon is listed in the hall of faith. Uh, we know that he is a man, so God counted it to him. Uh, again, he has his faults, but I think that as long as, in our instance, as long as we make ourselves available, he will use us and he will, will keep us on track as long as we turn to him and then uh, we just offer it all up to him. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening and may God bless you.